Hello and welcome to Axlander, a podcast about and for all of you who have left their home to find a new one abroad. Great, so we're live now and today I'm talking to Isabel Litzler. Uh, Isabel, uh, how are you today? Very good, thank you for inviting me. Well, thanks for agreeing to being part of Axlander. Um, Isabel is based down in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. Can you tell me and my listeners more about what you do, what brought you to Switzerland and where you actually come from? Well, it's an interesting story. I've lived in different parts of the world, actually. I was very young when I left home. I was 18 and I moved to California, sunny California with a big dream. Of course, Hollywood and all the show business, I was very attracted to that. So when I was 18, I wanted to go to Los Angeles, which I did. And I studied there. I wanted to stay to study for a couple of years just to get started, but things actually worked for me. I managed to get a work permit and get uh, very good jobs over there working in the field of human resources. So it was really an opportunity that came to me. I was uh, very much of a person who liked to communicate and uh, I like people. I like working with people. I thought I'd be very good at public relations. And uh, when I was offered a job working for a big bank in California, I thought, why not? You know, why not join? So I started uh, working very young over there. And I had opportunities for 10 years. I stayed there 10 years for which I was studying. And after a while, I decided I wanted to go a little bit more to Europe because uh, I don't want to get into that in the podcast, but there's also some drawbacks in living in uh, the U.S. Uh, it's a country where there's not a lot uh, of time off and people tend to work a lot of hours. So uh, oh, we can get to that. I mean, we you can share a bit more details. I mean, I, I'm, I think it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think in the U.S. it's uh, it's very much, I mean, I love the culture. I love the fact that people are driven and very entrepreneurial. And I think all those parts are like, and I kept, I really kept those parts because I, there's something about the American spirit and the drive and the entrepreneurship that I really enjoy. And the fact that you build things and it's really a country that was built by expats really in the end. And they all came for better lifestyle and doing their own thing. So they're quite a, uh, tenacious type of people and and they're not afraid of hard work which is great now at the same time you have to think that it's great when you're when you're young and you're very excited about things but you get to a point where you also want to to just enjoy life to uh, have some time off uh, just the fact that you get two weeks off is normal over there it's in a you year get- right I mean, we're That's- so spoiled in europe yeah Exactly. So and two weeks and not even people take those two weeks, you know, sometimes people don't take time off at all. So uh, it's great when you're passionate about your job and maybe you do that for a couple of years, but everybody, every human being needs some some time to reflect, to rest, to uh, maybe try other things, you know, so you get to a point where you're like, is that is that all there is in life, you know, is just to have a job and work hard. And again, in, in the US, if you're not always working, it's like there's something wrong with you. So I thought, you know, I want to, I had gone to Paris for a holiday and I thought, you know, I like the fact that people over there take time to, you know, and, and again, it sounds very much like uh, what you see in the movies where people are at the cafes and terrace and uh, enjoying, just enjoying their time off, enjoying their weekends, 
uh, actually making plans, going on holidays. So for me, that was a, a positive shift in that sense is that I was able to, uh, to still pursue what I enjoyed, which was working in my field of human resources, but also having time off. And I really enjoyed myself uh, when I was in Paris, I had a great life and met some great people. And I wouldn't have been able to do that in the US uh, format because I didn't have time. I was always uh, running after something. So in, in France, I was able to uh, connect and, and really build my entrepreneurship and my networking skills. And I had a great opportunity in 2007. I was in Paris and I was open to opportunities and at some point I was offered a job and the job happened to be uh, moved to Geneva. Mm -hmm. So when I took the job, it was in Paris and I was told it's going to Geneva. So I had no problem with moving at that stage. So I took the job and uh, and moved to Switzerland that, like that. Uh, I worked for a big company called Lexmark uh, in the printing industry. And uh, that stayed for one, one year. And after one year, unfortunately, I was let go because of uh, reorganization. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why that's what a lot of people are faced with that. And it's part of the modern world we're in. You know, you're, uh, you have a job until you don't have a job. So uh, you just, you know, take your skills and offer them somewhere else. So at that time, I was able to uh, package my skills up together working with a consultant. And that's how I got the idea also of a transition career consultant because it really helped me as an individual. It helped me figure out my skills, how to take that and uh, offer my skills somewhere else. So I was able to work in not-for-profit at that stage. So I discovered the world of international organization, again, always working in talent management, recruitment, human resources. And, uh, and that was a great experience. It's one of the biggest name now, at least in Switzerland, but probably worldwide, because I work for the Gates, uh, it was um, the Gavi. So uh, that's created by uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, at the beginning and then other people joined in and other organizations, but it was created there. So uh, it's pretty much uh, very known now. And I was able to uh, learn a lot uh, in terms of adding skills in, in human resources. But, you know, you get to a stage in your life where you think, OK, I've changed jobs so many times and I've seen so much and having had the career transition and really liking more working with individuals than in companies and organizations. I thought I'm more of a solo person. I'm more of the uh, independent consultant. That's really my thing, so to say. So after a lot of reflection and I did a master's, I realized uh, where I want to be is really, I want to be a consultant. I want to work for myself, make my own decisions, but it's the result of a lot of experiences. And that's why I always advise people to, uh, to get a lot of expertise, build it, uh, learn how to package it, and then become uh, a consultant and work on their own because, uh, in the end, what people purchase is, is your expertise and your experience and what you've mm. uh, found out. So you can't just make that happen. Even if you're motivated, uh, it, it's, it, needs, it needs to be uh, polished and worked on. So uh, that's what I did all these years. Yeah, definitely. Very, very interesting and absolutely amazing background and so much experience. So when we when we put that into chunks, so you come from France, do you come from Paris then itself or? I'm from Eastern France. So from I'm Eastern France. France. Yeah, so it's close to 
uh, eastern part of Paris, about mm -hmm. two hours. Okay. And then you mentioned 10 years in California. So that definitely had to shape somehow your experience and your expertise that you mentioned that you have now. Um, you touched upon that issue a bit. How did you, I mean, what were the 10 years about there in California? How did being an expert in, in the US and in America is slightly different than being an expert in uh, any kind of other, you know, let's say European country, even though Geneva is a specific place and we're going to talk about that later. So what, what did you, how did you enjoy and how did you experience California then, those, this decade there? And well, we, don't, we don't only have to be thinking about work, right? Even though that's a big part of it. Right. Well, for me, again, it was a dream to go to California. I, I was part of that generation. I watched all the soap operas and the movies. And, and still now, I mean, most of the movies are produced in, produced in Hollywood. So uh, there's some aspect of dreamlike uh, life. And of course, it's, uh, it's a movie. But for me, you know, watching that, I thought that's cool. Everyone is living the lifestyle, you know, the rich and famous and all that. So I thought I want to be part of that. I want to see it close up close and personal. So really, in the end, when you go there, you realize that's only a very, very small portion of Los Angeles, you know, uh, inside Los Angeles, which is Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it is just like any other big metropolitan area and with all the pluses and minuses. But I think what was really interesting for me was the fact that I was uh, able to be alone far away from home. So the independence that I gained and having to deal with things on my own. Of course, I had some very close people that helped me there and I'm very thankful for that. I was very lucky to meet some great people who helped me with uh, introducing myself there and, uh, and being merged into the culture. And I would say what really helped me and that's what I would recommend for you if you're considering to go to a country is to stay away from people in your own culture because mm -hmm. a lot of times you when you want to migrate to a country you want to be close to people like you which is normal but in my case because I ended up going to a part of Los Angeles in the north where there's very little uh it's not really international it's international in the center of LA but if you go to the northern part like me in uh in a in a countryside almost there was no francophone uh, culture there so I was really surrounded by U.S. speakers all day long so I didn't have a choice. I was 18, you know, surrounded by all uh, Anglophone speakers, no one to speak to in French. So I had to cater to the local flavor, so to say. And it was really good for me, actually, because I was able to learn the language and um, develop my skills there. If I had stayed with French people, I probably would probably be much tougher. So I would say it's like Anything else, when I coach people, I say, go for it, you know, jump in the, in the ocean, so to say, immerse yourself, you know, which is what I did with, with the culture, understanding how things get done, how people communicate, what skills you need to get a job and so forth. So uh, it, it's going to be a big plunge, but it's well worth it because in the end, you're going to struggle less because uh, you're, you're very apt, for example, that later on to find a job. It was easier because I didn't have this huge French accent, right? <laughs> I could be credible speaking English, you know, in my job. So barely anybody knew where I was from. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the fact also I, um, I really made an effort and that's really something I've done throughout my life, but I always made an effort to, to surround myself with people that, uh, that can teach me things that can uh, expand my network from a very young age. I was always trying to meet people who could teach me things. So uh, that's also another recommendation. Hmm. Lovely. Well, as a French, I don't want to say Frenchman, as a French woman, um, <laughs> being French and especially in the US is somewhat idealized or romanticized and places like Paris and if we're talking about Hollywood, um, there is this sort of romanticized vision of France being the la vie, l'amour and, and, you know, everything is great and, and uh, it's all beautiful. Did you encounter any of those, let's say, stereotypes or how would people react? Um, oh, it was great to be French over there because, again, yeah. people are very uh, glamorized image. So it's like, oh, Paris and the Eiffel Tower and, and food is so delicious. And yeah, so it worked for me, actually. Uh, it's great when you come from a country that's, uh, that's glamorized because people really look at you like you don't have to make a lot of efforts to be great because people already have a positive uh, mm -hmm. idea about you just because you come from a, a country that they love and, and they glamorize. So it was very easy for me to, uh, to integrate myself over there. You know, I was always very welcome. People love to hear about uh, my, my story and, and France and, and lifestyle there in France and even wanting to move to France. So for me, it was definitely a, almost an accelerator because... Mm -hmm. um, someone would have had to do more work I was always uh, welcome with open arms and and presented with opportunities that maybe uh, I wouldn't have received if I if I wasn't French for example I'll give a concrete example uh, when I finished my studies so I was like everybody else trying to find the first thing mm -hmm. and uh, the the actual director of the French American uh, consulate there was an American lady and she wanted to have a French intern. So she had an American assistant, but she wanted a French intern just for the commercial relations and uh, you know, to, to have someone from, from France would be great, right, for a consulate. So it was a great opportunity for me. I was in my early 20s and already meeting all the great people of Los Angeles working in, in uh, a business market over there and you know, meeting basically all the personalities of, of Beverly Hills and and Los Angeles, just because I was an intern in, in the right place, mm. which I didn't even target because at that time I didn't think network and strategies. I was just looking for an opportunity as a, as a young graduate. And it so happened that, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly the circumstance, but I think at some event I met these people and they said, look, we need an intern and uh, would you be available for a couple of months to to help us? And, you know, that's how I started being introduced already to some people. So, uh, so yeah, being French uh, actually worked well for me. I think mm -hmm. my, my entire time there, mm -hmm. I was able to make some great contacts, uh, be very welcome. There's a good image about your culture. So uh, you can move faster, I think, than people will have to go through uh, selling themselves a bit, a bit more mm -hmm. than I have. Mm -hmm. I find this absolutely amazing and, and, and super interesting because uh, I get to, I've got the privilege to speak to so many interesting people from all over the globe, um, experts in their area, um, 
or um, by their background. And um, it's, it's just so different that really, if you come from a place that immediately rings a bell or has, as you said, a positive image, um, the reception is somewhat different than when you've got to, when people have got to go like, oh yeah, where, where, where is that? Or, or you come from, I mean, I recently had a lady, I mean, very, very sort of highly educated language expert um, who sounds like she's from Eng England, but she's originally from Poland and she would have sometimes rather negative connotations, you know, like, um, but then, you know, people are just asking genuine questions. So this is, I like this contrast, what you just mentioned that you, it was in in some ways it was also a door opener exactly you, for you say it was like that mm. so again i don't know uh, exactly for different cultures uh but again i because i was also close to the uh south american community mexico mm. it's a different story because i think uh there's also some stereotypes about them and uh people see them in a almost like invading or something mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. There's a different image when you're from Central South America, but coming from France, uh, definitely, I, I had my all the opportunities laid out for me. I could have stayed there if I wanted and probably grew a great career over there. But mm -hmm. again, what I explained earlier, the fact that you really uh, you're always working and people only think about work and it's quite uh, intense and not many thing else you can do with your life. It's a little bit limiting for mm -hmm. someone wants to do more you know mm -hmm. going back to France then and returning home for quite some time uh how was how was it then I mean did you experience anything like a reverse culture shock did you have did you need some time to adapt being back home in France then before moving to Geneva well in France it was an interesting one because I had what's called reverse uh you know expatriation issues because oh, you did right yeah <laughs> Patriation almost, or it's difficult because then you're you have to readapt to your own your own country where you know everything is also different. So, for example, in the U.S., I was uh, always used to everything being open twenty four seven, and the service over there is great, and you have drive through everywhere. And if you finish work late, there's always going to be something open where you can get your 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 food, your clothes, uh, dry clean or what have you. Well, in France, I really had to think because, you know, things are not open 24 seven. And so I had to readapt. It took me almost a year to just, uh, and I remember getting sick actually the first uh, winter there because I was used to the California weather. And of course in Paris, it's, it's a lot colder. Uh, so I had to get used to the climate, to the culture, to, things are not being as convenient the convenience really dropped for me because I mm -hmm. went from uh, having my own car and driving around to being uh, using the subway which is really as itself not the most uh, healthy way of, of living <laughs> uh, the subway wasn't exciting at the beginning I mean I got used to it because it's the fastest way to get around but it's uh it's not the most uh you know, when you readapt to something, having to be around people all the time and all that, it's uh, it was a, a adaptation. And again, not having to think when you're working full time uh, that you have to get your organization changed also because things do close mm -hmm. and uh, you're not going to get services like you did. So the, the lack of services for me was a, a big, um, big point. Uh, also, even though I did speak English and the jobs that I took in France uh, required English speaking, the culture, again, in the company was mm -hmm. very French. Uh, 
so for example, you know, uh, when you get in in the morning and people looking at those things and how you manage your job, where in the US people don't care really. And I was uh, working in an office where I could do everything I wanted. So um, I really had to readapt uh, basically is what it comes down to uh, a mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And then Geneva came and that's another experience. How did that differ from, I mean, or how, how long have you been in Geneva or how long have you been sort of based or have you, have you been based around um, that area? So now it's been over 10 years. 10 years. I- okay. So it's another 10 years, right? So how, how did that differ to your first experience in this nearly decade in the U.S.? Well, I was younger in the U.S. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. It sounds funny, but it's true. There, yeah. you, don't, you don't migrate in a country the same way in your early 20s, even in my teens. I mean, I was eight. I was 17, actually, the first time. Oh, yeah, eight. yeah, that's true. What did your parents say? I mean, that's uh, what they- I wanted to ask before we go to Geneva. How did they react? It's like, yeah, I'm just packing my bags and, you know. They trusted, they trusted me. They, they knew, you know, what they had instilled in me, uh, the values and the life that I'm supposed to, to, how I'm supposed to run my life. So they trusted me with it. Cool. They knew I had a hand on my shoulder and uh, my feet on the ground. So they weren't so worried. Uh, and I was, again, I had some great uh, people really surrounding me over there. So I wasn't like left in the middle mm-hmm. of the, by myself. Um, so that was, that was good. Uh, but the difference is definitely the age, because in your 20s, you go out a lot, you meet a lot of people. So it's easier to integrate in a new culture in your 20s when uh, you go out to, you know, to parties. And so you, you meet people easily, you integrate yourself easily. And then, you know, people do get jobs, get married, have children. So you, your outings or your lifestyle does change with age. So you get to a point where you know, everyone in your age span is married with kids, so they're not going out anymore that much. So they are in their own lives. So uh, and then you don't you don't get so excited about going out, you know, past when you did it for a while, you know, past a certain age, you're like, okay, you know, I'm not really a party person anymore. I just want to be at home, read a good book or go to the movies or things that are a bit more like age related, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why also it's it's a little bit more difficult, I would say, when you do move uh, at an older age mm-hmm. uh, to a different country because um, your lifestyle changes. Also, Geneva is not exactly a place where people gather to meet up. And uh, it, it's mostly, again, people come, they come with their family. It's more of a family lifestyle, I think, with the mountains and the ocean. I mean, the, the lake, sorry. Uh, so um, So it's not really so easy when uh, you move to a country like this uh, a little bit more uh, when you're a bit more older, I would say. Uh, it's still possible. You have to make more efforts, I think, to go out there to meet. And, but, uh, but again, it's not the same scene. Uh, and again, when you live in places like Australia or California, where the weather is also more of the going out outside, uh, people want to be out more, but when it's cold, I realize, especially for myself, I know when it's cold, I have a hard time to be out, mm-hmm. uh, except if you, maybe if you practice some winter ski or, uh, and that's where people meet usually in Switzerland, actually, I always tell people, if you want to build your network, go out skiing or, uh, the, the winter sports, everyone is there. 
so that's the time really when you go and meet people is uh is winter sports and uh and things like that because we don't have a lot of summer uh we get three months maybe four if we're lucky but that's at the most and then it gets cold again so you're not really out as you would be in california where you're always having a barbecue at somebody or uh, you're always on the beach or you know you're always out meeting people i mean here again you have this very short window of time where the weather allows to be out and then people are very much it's a cultural thing as well people not really talking to people they don't know it's not in mm. the culture as it would be in other places so if you don't know someone already uh, locally and you're not uh, well integrated uh, in, in the culture, you're probably going to stick with the same people and it's not going to be easy to expand uh, connections. People are not warming up to you, as I say, the same way they would. It takes a bit more effort at the beginning uh, to warm up to individuals. And that's probably the main challenge for someone coming into Switzerland as a new expat. So let's say you get a great job and you move to Switzerland, uh, having people warm up to you. If you don't know people already there, uh, it's going to take a bit more effort, basically. Mm. It's going mm. to be a real uh, project of your own to go out there and introduce yourself and try to get those first level of contacts, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how has it been working for you? I mean, is Geneva the place that you... I mean, you, meanwhile, moved out of Geneva, right? You only have your business there. Exactly. Uh, so you know how how attached are you to that place because it's a very specific it, it, it feels like it's a small globe <laughs> it's so international but it's so tiny at the same time and exactly. it's also not very typically I mean it's a I think it's a world of its own because the, the part of Switzerland where I <laughs> where I am based um, is also very very different to the canton of Geneva or the city then um Yeah. So how how attached are you to that place? In the end, it's a village. Geneva is a village. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Los Angeles. I mean, you have to remember, I lived in Los Angeles and Paris. So the the great thing is that the the types of people you can meet is never ending. Whereas in Geneva, it's like if you've been here, let's say a year, I mean, pretty much, you know, if you're you're interested in specific kinds of uh, culture and, and, and things. I mean, after a year, you know whoever you need to know. I mean, uh, it's, you're always going to bump into the same people. So once you start going out, which I did at the beginning, you know, yeah, after a couple of years, you know everyone uh, that going to be a contact for you because in the end, you have your personality. So not everyone is going to be necessarily become your, your contact or even less your friend. But you know, like the people you're supposed to meet, you're going to meet in the first couple of years. And then that's what I call your base network. And after that, you know, they're going to introduce you maybe to other people. But now I get to a point where I've been in the region for 10 years. Anybody I needed to meet, I have met already. So mm-hmm. I know or if I want to keep the relationship, then I just connect and maybe uh, organize a meetup in Geneva to just catch up and know what's going on. But I don't think I'm going to uh, be in a mindset where I go to Geneva to meet new people because uh, even though people are transient and it keeps moving, but I felt like I've met already a good base of contacts and I want to now nurture those contacts rather than uh, necessarily go out there to uh, meet new ones, even though I'm still open to that. If a great event pops up, then uh, maybe I will go now that things reopen up a little bit. 
But again, I'm not in that uh, thing of you know trying to go out there to to meet a lot of people. But, if, but you need to do that at the beginning to to get a few contacts, and then after that, if you maintain those contacts, you don't need to do as much work. Because one of the big thing I hear from people, and I understand that, is what well, it's a lot of effort, and you know you need time also to when you when you've done your day work, and maybe you go to the gym or it takes effort. So I would say if you give it a year or so, you know, just to get a base contact, a uh, base list of contacts. And then after that, you just have to nurture them, which is a little bit less work than trying to make new contacts uh, okay. from, from the base, you know, and, and having to go to those events and introduce yourself, which is also a bit challenging sometimes. Mm. And why did you then move out of Geneva? Was it purely sort of, um, let's say, practical reasons that you wanted to live a bit, bit far away from, from the city? Or Yeah, definitely. I don't want to live in a city now. I, I'm very happy to be in nature, uh, mm -hmm. a bit in a remote type of place. And uh, it's a personal life. I like the lake in Nancy a bit more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm mm -hmm. a big type of person and I do swim so mm -hmm. for me it's like the lifestyle is a little bit more adapted but I do go to Geneva regularly to meet people I know there and if there's events and and I'm very close to what's going on there uh, but in terms of living I found a really nice little spot for myself uh, in mm -hmm. the middle where uh, there's not a lot going on in terms of uh, city life which is what I like at this stage in my life now if I was again back to yeah I'm just thinking Los Angeles and exactly I mean a little uh, pond and Nancy okay yeah no, it's, it's different stages in life so in my 20s it just so happened that I wanted the the city life and the parties and you know like the hot spots and all that but I think now I'm just looking to have a calm and peaceful type of life you know more into yoga than parties these days <laughs> so it, it's just changing you know it's part of you evolving also as a person and what you what you value at this stage in your life you know what's what's the most important thing for you and uh for me now it's my well-being and my my peace of mind and spending time with people i care and uh, my pet and, and yeah. so forth yeah sure Lovely. Well, you are an entrepreneur, uh, you're a career consultant, and you've got absolutely, you know, a wide range of work experience behind you. Um, and why I find it particularly interesting is that you work with expats, and expats in Switzerland, to be more precise. Um, what kind of people do you get to meet on your daily basis? And who are your clients? So it's very interesting. I at the beginning when I started, I I had clients from um, lots of different paths. I would say of life. Uh, as my business was growing, I was also uh, working more and more with executives. I would say, uh, and it just so happened that my business developed that way. Also because people who already have a career tend to be more focused on making that better and and grow faster. Uh, so we just worked out that way, but I've worked with different kinds of, of individuals from students, uh, people who are starting, you know, their career, people who are changing careers. Uh, so I've worked with different kinds of profiles basically since I started. Mm -hmm. And where do they, where do they come from? Or what's your biggest bulk of nationalities, let's say, or is it a huge mix? 
I would say it's a mix, but mostly I would say the UK uh, mm -hmm. people in the I tend to have a lot of uh, British nationalities. Uh, I have people from Europe. For me, it's easier to work with people from Europe because of the work permit. Uh, mm -hmm. I, whenever I have someone who contact me from abroad, I always make sure, meaning outside of Europe, like non-Europeans, I always make sure I can help them. So uh, it has to be people who work with international organizations because as you know, it's, uh, it's not very easy if you're not uh, European to, to get a job and I don't want to give people hope and then they realize that there's not much for them going on in Switzerland. So uh, it's mostly people from Europe, I would say UK, I had some Spanish, uh, people from Eastern Europe uh, quite a bit as well. Uh, and sometimes I have people from the US also, mm -hmm. but again, it's the same thing. They have to have a portable career for international organizations. Uh, but yeah, I would say based on work permits, it would have to be more Europeans in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think that in general, what are some of the biggest challenges as an expat? And you also, um, if we can talk about it a bit more, um, you are single and the expat single experience differs um, to other, let's say, experiences so can you see some challenges there for you and for people who you talk about because, uh, or you talk to because um, there are some of your clients, some of your friends, some of your, let's say, wider circle, if you could think about it. Well, the first challenge for most expats, clients of mine, or uh, people who want to come to Switzerland is languages, because... Mm -hmm. Most of the people I talked to had great careers, uh, never had an issue finding a job, were always uh, cold. And then they come to Switzerland and they realize, you know, it's, uh, it's not the same because of language barriers. And as you know, uh, whether you want to work in the Ger Swiss German part or the French part, your, your language skills need to be very good to be credible and to, to work in your industry. So it's a big, big, big challenge that people tend to uh, undermine a little bit at the mm -hmm. beginning, value it. Uh, and then when they realize they're on the local market, it's actually, uh, it's for real. They do need to have a great level of uh, Swiss German or, or French. So language skills is, is a big one, a big uh, area. So I would say if you listen to this and you consider moving to Switzerland, even if you can do it right now, or it's more of a long-term project, uh, learn the language. So whether French or or German, because you're going to need it at least to a level where uh, you can, you know, understand what's going on, you can participate in an interview. So uh, get your language skills going, that's going to be a huge, huge differentiator between you and the expats that are coming, hoping to get a job. <laughs> realize that um, They're going to struggle a little bit. So prepare yourself with great language skills. And then the second one that's a big challenge is again, the integration part. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not a country, as I say, where you know people talk to you immediately and bring you in and share you know, and all that stuff. It's, uh, you have to almost approve yourself first before people can uh, offer you their uh, friendship, uh, business contacts, et cetera. So, uh, so the biggest challenge there is also to understand that it takes time, you have to be patient. That people are not going to warm up to you as fast as you would like and uh, it's not going to be immediate so you have to keep going to these events and keep uh, 
uh, trying to make the contacts and then find your find your group find your community uh, you know maybe you realize you know you, you don't really do well with a certain community and maybe you want to try something else there's a lot of expat communities in Switzerland so uh, most people will find something that they like uh, and that's what I've always done uh, when, when I was living in Geneva when I left I've always been part of communities based on interest more mm -hmm. than more than the the nationality, nationality so yeah mm -hmm. the passion for something you know like I met you mm -hmm. because we're both passionate about sharing our knowledge and helping others and and broadcasting it online so based on having your passion it could be an extension of your job also mm -hmm. uh, where you will meet like-minded people via what you're doing that's really where it starts you know so if you love your job in Switzerland well you will have probably your co-workers as your first contacts and then maybe they introduce you also to some people maybe they invite you to to those uh, things going on after work and and you realize you find your community your tribe there so that's going to be the challenge is finding your tribe, you know, so think about a bit who you are, what do you like, it's a bit of reflection about what you're passionate about in this world, and then find people who are like minded. And that's really what I've centered on in the last couple of years, because I did meet people from different uh, flocks of life, and I realized I can connect with a lot of them, but very few I will really deep connect with because uh, it's more rare. But I think you will find your tribe closer when you really know yourself. And mm -hmm. that's a big life lesson for me that I had to get to is, uh, is really knowing who I am myself, what am I good at? And then I will find people that are similar to me. Uh, but until you get there, you're always going to have mismatches because you don't know yourself. So <laughs> yeah. you know, the first thing you have to ask yourself, is Switzerland really a country where you could grow as a human and as a, as a human being and as a worker? Uh, is it the place where you would find what you what you're looking for and grow as a person where you find your hobbies there you know if you're someone who loves I don't know let's say that you're in Los Angeles right now and you love that you love uh, surfing well surfing yeah in <laughs> well you're not going to get surfing in, in uh in Switzerland where you get the lakes which is also nice but you have to find based on the kind of person. I know a lot of people who don't manage to be so happy in Switzerland. It's usually from my experience because they followed somebody. So it wasn't their project. It mm. was somebody else's project. So they never really bought into it from the beginning 100% or they had a hard time uh, transferring their skills, especially if you're following someone who's going into a very tiny city where it's very Swiss and not very international. Mm. And there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for you to to find that tribe like you because they're all going to be on a different mindset so uh going to the bigger city already helps and again knowing if the project i, I always say if it's your husband project or your wife uh it has to be yours as well so you have to buy into it as well so mm. it's not just one or the other it's both people and that's for couples mm. now, ask me about single now if you're single it's uh it's also a little bit complicated mm -hmm. because you don't have the uh the co coziness so to say of being with your family mm -hmm. so when your family uh it's most of your life really I mean you have your job your family and that fills up your life now the big thing when you're single and expat is uh to trying to find really close people that you can because you don't have the family so you have to replace that with very close friends. And as I just said, it's hard to go deep connections. I mean, mm -hmm. when you go to events, 
you will find people maybe to go to uh to a coffee with or to go to a movie with or you know it's going to be one of those more contacts type of things so what's going to be tough for an expat especially in a country where uh you know, you, you have to go and build those relationships. It's going to be to go deep, find the tribe to go deep and, uh, and really have people who understand you and uh, can, can be there for you. And I'm very thankful. I have a couple of people now that I'm really close to and it's almost like their extended family, but that's the hard part to find is, and you won't find many, but mm-hmm. if you find too you know that you really like extension of family they know you like your sister or your brother and you can call on them you know now there was a pandemic and you know yeah. who do you know mm. you know people that you had a coffee with uh you know they don't really feel like they're in the right position that they don't want to be there to bring you a meal or to uh to be there basically as a family member uh and we we were tested with this pandemic where we're locked down and stuck and like who do I have? It really made us think also about those deeper contacts is really what's important is to have people around us that will care for us and will be there and uh, not just care in terms of material things, but people you can call and talk for a while and, uh, and you feel better and um, just the comfort of having uh, close knit contacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well put. Well, how is then... Um what I what I understand as well from some of the single friends and they were everybody was hit hard by the pandemic some people more some people uh, a bit less however the single experience in general got even harder and the expat single experience where you where the government tells you that you cannot go and visit your immediate family say your parents your siblings and so on um that was that was actually quite tough i would say uh on some people and if somebody tells you don't meet new people don't date well as a single person you would date um how is online dating going in you know these times for you if i may ask or perhaps your community around you well i think uh it's in a way, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's really a time when you think about what you really want. And mm. uh, before, there was this almost uh, easy way to meet up. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you can meet the person down the road. And the fact that you can't do that, uh, it really makes you think about, well, you know, now you have to really have some conversation going and, and really spend more time knowing people. Well, in the end, for me, I would say it didn't change much because, uh, again, uh, as I'm now evolving towards more of an in-depth type of a person, uh, I find that most people I don't really connect with so much. So, yeah, it goes like, hi, how are you? And maybe a few lines. But I would say I have a harder time now because I've done some uh, maybe an evolution where uh, now it's um, it's only so many people that I will really feel that I connect with on a deeper level. So uh, it's natural. Would, that's that's obviously natural. Yeah, it hasn't changed from the time when I would say from years ago to uh, pandemic time or, or what have you. It's still uh, a mindset issue, and uh, in a way. Uh, we try to tell ourselves uh, that, yeah, because we can't go out and we're locked down, that's why, you know, it's harder to meet someone. In the end, I really have become more spiritual now. I think that the right person will come at the right time, no matter what the situation is. So in the end, 
uh, I would say I didn't see a big difference. It really mm -hmm. didn't make a difference for me. Couldn't really find like-mindedness before or during the pandemic. So uh, no matter which tools you give me, yeah, it's great for business purposes. And I have a great network. Again, very grateful with that, great friends. But in the end, for uh, finding that true connection, if you're really uh, a spiritual person and you're looking for depth, uh, it's not something that's going to come around easy, whether mm -hmm. you're online or whether you're offline. I mean, it's just, um, yeah, again, it depends on what you're looking for. I have no problem communicating online. I actually teach in one of my club courses how to network online. But uh, it's, I think it goes further than that. It's not just a question of the, uh, the easy uh, way that you have to connect. It's more about the right time, the right person at the right time. And just having that, you know, it's like something that happens at the right time. And, uh, and of course, when you're in Switzerland, the, I would say the opportunities, the opportunities are probably a bit less than if you live. Uh, and I know, for example, in South America, it's very easy to connect and I would say probably it helps with the love uh, connection mm -hmm. uh, because you talk to everybody and you always you always have someone coming up to you every time right yeah yeah so it's not the case so mm. probably you would have to develop more your online skills to to use the apps and so forth but I think in the end it's also a question I've lived in California I've lived in Paris I've lived in many different places uh, I think it's just hard when you're a worldwider and you're you have a different mindset and you're looking for depth and you're looking for for uh, relevance and and something extra. I would say uh, you're going to be a bit like yeah, you know, a bit blah uh, quickly with your connection. So that's why you have to find your tribe, and that's what I'm I'm starting to do now. I I really know myself more. I know what I need more. And I realized that the quality of people that have come into my life the last the last six months, actually during the pandemic, during the, yeah, 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 it's actually been greater because Good. of mindset shift. It's not so much about again being able to go out or not. It's just your your mindset changes. You do some work on yourself. You think about what you want, and then you start attracting different kinds of people that come your way, even online. So. Uh, it's really changing everything. I think uh, more work on yourself more, and then no matter where you are in the world, it's going to help also. Great. Well, um, the last thing to mention is that you, I can see that you've got a microphone, like a professional microphone, which tells us that you are also a YouTuber. I mean, you've got actually quite a lot of subscribers on YouTube. You've got your own YouTube channel. Um, so can you just briefly, you know, introduce your YouTube channel and also can you give certain advice to, you know, one last advice <laughs> or piece of advice to people who are considering moving to Switzerland um, or certain kind of expats, um, yeah, that you would give to other people? Because I find it very, very useful. Yeah, so my, my YouTube channel is called Isabel Litzler. So it's about entrepreneurship, careers, and networking. Uh, so you can find it very easily. Probably you will have the link somehow. Uh, yeah, I will, I will in integrate it into in the description then, yeah. Exactly. And then I would say one last tip is, uh, is have an idea of what it is that you're trying to build in this life. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind you? And I know for especially people maybe who have uh, still a, a way to go on there because 
you know, maybe you're in the middle now of losing your job and it's not really your first thing that comes to mind or, or you're still debating what you want to do. But try to think about, uh, you know, what kind of life do you want to lead? Because in the end, everything that you do is based on that, you know, well, how do you see yourself? You know, do you want to live? You know, do you want to have a family? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to uh, live in a city or do you want to live, you know, by the beach? You know, do you want to work full time or part time or, you know, all these things. So it's really think about your lifestyle. What do you want to build and then see where and how that would be able to work? Because, if you want to live, for example, uh, there's lots of places in the world that could offer you what you need that maybe you didn't think about. Mm -hmm. So there's always different ways to fulfill your, your, your wish, so to say. And Switzerland could just be one of those. But uh, when people can't move for whatever reason, you know, I have non, again, non-EU contact me. And it's a bit of a disappointment that they can't make it to Switzerland. But there's always other things like other countries where you could find great resources and uh, maybe build a career there for a while before you move to Switzerland. So there's always a plan B, a plan C, and that's what I like to explore. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite thing is I like to explore different options that lead to what it is that is going to make you happy in the end, because that's what it's about. It's about finding your balance, being happy and having the lifestyle that you want. And again, the lifestyle that you want could differ some people could be happy uh, with uh, um, a certain salary and other people need more. But uh, it really depends on, again, what's important to you. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well put. Well, unless you have anything else to add, I would say thank you, Isabel, for yeah. participating in this interview. I am very, very honored to have you on my show. Well, it was an honor for me as well. Well, thanks for sharing your experience. And uh, whoever wants to follow Isabel on YouTube, just type in Isabel Litzler. You can also follow Axlander on all available podcast platforms. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, Podbean, we're on Apple, Google Podcasts. These are wherever and wherever, whenever you're listening to Axlander, just tune in and enjoy. Thank you, Isabel, for being with me and have a nice rest of the week. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye-bye.